You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, hello church. Good to see everyone. You look good. Welcome to church. Are you happy to be here? Excited about being here at church. I love going to church, uh, being a part of it. Um, that video you just saw is reminding us about Feed 5000. It's coming up. If you're just joining us, it's an exciting time in Life of Thorn Creek where we, in the month of November, we actually feed closer to six and 7,000 people. And uh, we, uh, we love on kids who require lunch assistance, and we target 15 schools. So the food that you see out in the lobbies, that's the beginning stages. It's not for you to take home a can of sliced carrots, so just leave them there, and, uh, and it's a reminder, uh, be a part of it. Um, in fact, on the news this week, I don't know if you saw this, but the Renaissance Apartment Complex there on 88th Street, they were without heat. Anybody see that on the news? So, so that's, one, that's the apartment complex that we love on uh, here in, in North Denver. So uh, we're going to be there on Sunday. That's going to be uh, the Sunday. Uh, you can look at the calendar, the schedule out there, but it's a Sunday before Thanksgiving. So it's going to be church. Then at three o'clock, we're going to go there and have a, like a rig or something and, and little turkeys and all kinds of stuff. So you want to be part of that. So incidentally, we're going to be loving on that Renaissance apartment complex as well and helping them out with the heat issues. I didn't tell the other two services this, but I'm telling you, so you get, you get first dibs on this thing. So uh, uh, we'll be sending out an email. Um, they, need, they need people to help uh, with, uh, with mechanical work so to get their heat going up again. So, so be, just keep an eye on your email. Make sure we have your email. And uh, I'll let you know, but that's, that's pretty fresh off the press, guys. That was a conversation I had in between the services. So, hey, one more thing. Uh, this is like an inside thing. Um, we would like to encourage you, when you come to Thorn Creek Church, to make your way to the front of the lobby and chill out over there a little bit and then come over here in the back wherever we run. So the reason why we're, we're saying that is what we've discovered is is uh, what's been happening is people who come to Thorn Creek for a long time, affectionately Thorn Creekers, uh, they are parking in the back and coming through the back entrance, which is what we wanted you to do. But what's happening is only the new people are coming through the front entrance. So when they come in through the front entrance, a lot of times there's like not anyone up there for whatever reason. So their first encounter is like, this is a ghost town, you know, and, and, and then this, this whole space is deceiving because you walk in and you don't realize how big it is either. So, so when you walk in, it's like, well, where's everybody at? So we just were, we're trying to get that energy, that love that we have up in the front a little bit. Does that make sense? We're trying to spread out the love. So when people come in, they can see, they can see who we are quickly because we, we want everyone to feel welcome and we're so excited God's growing this church and we all need the grace of God, don't we? We all need the grace of God. So that's what we're about. So let me pray. I'm super excited about this message, guys. So I'm, I'm praying that the Lord moves really strong here. God, thank you for your grace and your love and we humble ourselves before you. Jesus, we need you. There's no other name greater than your name and we just cry out to you, Jesus. Work in, work in our hearts and our lives, and by your grace, God, work in and through me. Make this message just burn inside. I want to I finish well, Lord. This is the third time I'm preaching this message, God, and, and I, just pray it, I just pray it burns strong. Would you give God permission and just tell God, God, would you move in my heart? Make that your prayer. Move in my heart, God. God, we need you. No one else will do. Open our hearts, our eyes, our ears to your word and change us, Lord. We don't want to go through the motions of church. We want to have an encounter with you. 
So move in every heart, move in the heart of that person who's not expecting anything. Move in the heart of that person who desperately needs you. Move in the heart of that person who's on the mountaintop, wherever they're at in life right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, <clears throat> so I want to ask you a question here. Pastor Jeremy did a really good job, you know, introducing this message about uh, walking with God for life. I want to ask you this question. How long do you want to walk with God? How long do you want to walk with God? I'm making, look at you, you guys are awesome. The third service is always more responsive. It's so cool. Um, how long do you want to walk with God? Uh, so, so maybe you're here and, and you're like, well, I want to walk with God. And maybe you're thinking, I'm going to be silly here for maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe 10 years. Maybe you walk with God till times get tough. How long do you want to walk with God? Here's a bigger question. What does the quality of your walk with God look like? What does the quality of your walk with God look like? There's a lot of people who would say, I'm a Christian. There's a lot of people that would say, yeah, I believe in God. But they don't read their Bible every day. Rarely pray. They can't remember the last time they shared their faith with anyone. They maybe grew up in church. Maybe they know a lot of it, but they just don't practice it. And if you were to ask them, are you a Christian? They would say, without hesitation, yes, I'm a Christian. Or yes, I believe in God. And then there's a, these, these people, you look at their life, and you look at the life of someone who doesn't go to church at all, and you think, what's the difference? There's no distinction at all. They know some verses. They say they go to church, but I hear the words that come out of their mouth. I, I, I see how they run. I see how they do life. I, say they, I see who they run with. I see who, how they treat others. I know they don't read their Bible at all. They rarely go to church, but they're Christian. What does the quality of your walk with God look like? When people see you, do they see God's love and grace? Mm, I didn't ask that question the other two services. Somebody needs to hear this. When people see you, do they see God's love and grace? Does it look different in your, in your life? Do they see Jesus in you? I'm, I'm making this assumption here. Here's the assumption I'm making. I'm making the assumption that everyone in this room wants a better life. Is that cool? I'm making this assumption that we want to experience a life bigger than ourselves. I'm making that assumption. I want that. I'm making this assumption that you want to know God more fully. Is that okay to make that assumption? So if that's, your, if that's where we're at, we're all on the same page, then the question is, what is our quality of walk look like with God? You know, I believe the easiest walk in this world, the easiest walk is the walk, uh, the, the, the person who says, I don't believe. The person who says, I don't believe in God, the person who says, I don't believe in Jesus. You know why that's super easy? Because you are judge and jury of everything. You decide what's right, you decide what's wrong, and nobody can tell you otherwise. You determine how you treat others, you determine who's at fault, you are judge and jury, and you have nothing, and there's no accountability in your life. And if that's you, you know what the book of Revelation calls unbelievers? Cowards. 
cowards. Strong word, cowards. So here's my hope and prayer as we dive into God's word here this morning, that God just, just gets a hold of your heart. Gets a hold of your heart and you turn to Jesus in a deeper, deeper way. Um, Karen Overton, God bless her. She, uh, she, she's a sweet, sweet woman here at Thorn Creek. Uh, I don't even want to say her age. I'm not even sure what it is, and I don't want to guess, because anytime, anytime you guess a woman's age, it's not good. It might be me here. Give me a second. Is that a little bit better, maybe? Hopefully that, that fixes the problem. We're going to fix this, guys. I got three bars, but I don't know. Do I need to use this? Yeah. Is this dying? <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, uh, I, I, uh, oh, I hope it didn't do it again. I just felt like it did it again. Okay, so <clears throat> Karen Overton shows up every single week, and she cleans here. She cleans, and, and I'm, I know she's over 60, I'll say that, but she looks great. I'm just, <laughs> but she shows up, and she cleans, and I look at her, and I think, I want to be like that one day when I grow up. You know, she, she's by herself, and I mean, it's totally serious. She shows up for like an hour or two hours during the week, and she, she cleans. So I see her, and I'm thinking, gosh, one day I want to do that too. I want to I just be one of those people that vacuums the church and cleans the windows and does all that stuff. And people might look at me and say, who's that guy? And I'd be okay with that. And I just want to serve God like that for my entire life. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is the job description for Jesus Christ. Jesus came to be a ransom. That means with his precious blood, he shed for us on, on, on Calvary. He became a sacrifice for our sins so that we can experience the forgiveness and grace of God and know God fully. But in addition to that, he came to serve. So he gives us this example of what true greatness looks like. As I prayed about this message and I thought about serving for life, the person that came to my mind that I believe put God put in my mind was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was this guy who experienced a radical conversion. This is a guy who hated Christians. And then one day he's on the road to Damascus and he encounters this bright light and it's Jesus Christ and he blinds him. Do you remember how many days he was blinded? Do you remember that? Three days. Oh, rock on. Three days he was blinded. And all of a sudden his life changes and he turns to Jesus. So if you're here and you've never seen yourself like that, God can change anything heart. God can use anyone who wants to. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you won't be the same. And that's what happens with Paul the Apostle. And when you look at his life, much of the New Testament is actually written by Paul the Apostle, a lot of the New Testament. But there's one letter. There's one letter that every Bible scholar knows, and it's 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is believed to be the very last letter Paul wrote before he died. So he's writing it to this young evangelist named Timothy. Timothy is a pastor in Ephesus, and, and he's telling Timothy all the secrets 
of walking with God. And he's like, look, if you want to walk with God forever, here's what you need to know. And he tells Timothy these, these things. And, and he, he, he's, it's believed to be written between AT 64 and 67. Um, Paul is believed to be, he was murdered in 67. He, he was beheaded. And the reason why he was beheaded was because he was believed to be a Roman citizen. And it was against Roman law to crucify anyone. That's why Peter was crucified upside down, but Paul was beheaded. And, and that's what happened with him. So the purpose of this is to encourage Timothy, this young evangelist, and give him a heads up that there's going to be trouble and problems that you're going to face because you're choosing to walk with God and you're choosing to believe in Jesus and you're preaching the word. And so this is a very personal letter. This is something that, that Paul is sharing with Timothy. Uh, undoubtedly, I don't know if Paul you know, was thinking this, the whole world's going to read about this for the next 2,000 years. It was a personal letter he was giving to Timothy. So we're going to jump into chapter 4, uh, the belief that this is the very last writings of Paul the Apostle, and he's about to talk to Timothy. He says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. So right out of the gates, Paul says, Hey, let me just give you a heads up. There's going to be a day when everyone will be judged by God. You will be standing before God the judge. You will be accountable with everything you have said and done, and you will be standing before God. Myself, you, all of us will be standing. It doesn't matter whether you believe or you don't believe. It doesn't matter. That's something all of us have in common. It's called the judgment day. And, the, and, and what, it's better to receive Jesus now. <laughs> it's better to turn to God now than to try to get things right when you're standing before God. Now is the day of grace. You can do that. So then he says, I give you this charge. So there's this idea of Paul is saying, look, I'm going to tell you, here's the charge. He, here's your mission. Here it is. Here it is. Verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So he's telling Timothy, be ready. You need to be ready. It's a word for all of us. Be ready to share your faith, whether you're at King Supers or you're at Starbucks. Be ready to share your faith, whether you're out in a parking lot or you're at work. Be ready to share your faith, whether you're in a classroom or a hallway. Be ready to share your faith. Tell someone what God has been doing in your life. Be ready. And then verse 3, Paul says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. We're living in this day and age. And as you're talking to Paul, you know what he's really concerned about? He's concerned about good theology. He's concerned about sound doctrine. In our world today, you know, the, the, uh, you know what's right is getting pushed down the road, right? We live in a world of cultural relativism. Well, if it feels good, it's right. If it doesn't feel good, it may not be right, but you know what? We need to be tolerant for, for everyone. I mean, that's the world we live in. The word truth is getting watered down more and more. That's our world. Paul is essentially telling Timothy, you're to be salt, you're to be light in this world. And this world's going, it's, it's going to keep going, keep getting worse. 
Verse 4 says this, they, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And that's what's happening. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. You're like, but you, you're to be different. But you, you call yourself a Christian. But you, the way you live your life should be different. In verse 6, here, Paul's making this transition. Remember I told you this is his last letter that most Bible scholars believe that he wrote. And here it is, verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a, what church? Like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. You ever meet people who know they're going to die? I've, I've seen it before. They have a gut feeling that their time is coming to an end in this world, in this world. And Paul is saying, I'm already being poured out like a, like a drink offering. Now, the drink offering doesn't make any sense to us because we don't talk like that anymore. But do you know what a drink offering is? You have to go to the Old Testament to understand what it is. You read about it first in Genesis chapter 35 when, when Jacob poured out a drink offering before the Lord. But here's what a drink offering is. After placing a sacrificial animal or altar, uh, on the altar to represent your sins, this is the Old Testament, you place a sacrificial animal. After that, the priest would take wine, sometimes it would be water or honey, and they would pour it on the burning sacrifice. Literally pour it on the burning sacrifice. So it's kind of like a, <clears throat> the idea was, okay, here's this, here's this, this I'm going to do it on this side because I've wet that side a lot. Here, here's this altar, and here's the, this, I'm going to pour this water right on the sacrifice. And when you do that, the steam, the vapor would, would go up because it's being heated, and all that steam would go up. And the idea behind that was God would smell your sacrifice. It was a total sacrifice to God. It represented your life. And Paul is saying, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. So he's saying, my life is kind of like in this, in this bottle of water right here. When it's all emptied out, my life is gone. So Paul is saying, I'm being poured out like a drink offering before God. And it's only a matter of time till my life is going to go and I won't be around anymore. But he's saying, my life is going to be a sweet smelling aroma to God. God, you got to hear this. God can smell your life. God can smell your life. God desires us to be a sweet-smelling aroma before him. He could smell faithfulness, but he can also smell unfaithfulness. He could smell surrender, but he could also smell pride. He can smell love, but he can also smell lust. How does your life smell right now? God wants you to live a Life surrendered to his will. And in the Old Testament, Paul's saying, my life is being poured out like a drink offering, and God can smell my life. I've done my very best to be a living sacrifice before God. That's Romans chapter 12, to be a living sacrifice before God. That's what he's saying. And then verse 7, here it comes. So now he's going to tell young Timothy the secret to walk with God for life, the secret to make an impact 
for the kingdom of heaven. Here it is. Verse 7, he says this. And let's read this out loud. Read it with some boldness because you're the third service. So let's go. I have... Okay, let's do that again. If you didn't read it, would you read it? Shove the person next to you if they're not paying attention and say, listen up. Here it is. Let's go one more time. I have... I finished the race. Isn't that good? There it is. Let's go and watch the Broncos lose. All right, there it is. It's done. <laughs> Check out the fight. I have fought. What kind of fight? It's a good fight. Not a bad fight, but it's a fight. It's a good fight. You know, walking with God takes a lot of courage. Takes a lot of courage. So I want to break this down for you here a little bit here because this is a, this is a great verse for you to memorize. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the, and I have kept the. So this is Paul at the end of his life, and he's poured himself out like a drink offering, and he knows he's about to go see Jesus face to face. He knows he's about to be before God as judge, and he's saying, hey, Timothy, let me just tell you where I'm at. This is what I've done. And the first thing he says about walking with God for life, he says it's going to be a fight. If you choose to walk with God, if you choose to live life as a Christian, you just need to know right now it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. Being a Christian is not for wimps. It's going to be a fight. And Paul makes it clear, but it's going to be a good fight. Um, I saw the World Series, the last game. Anybody see the World Series? Uh, I know we have this AAA minor league team in town, but there's this big game that happens every year. I'm just kidding with you. I, I, love, I love the Rockies. I wish they would stop trading away all the good guys. But the Washington Nationals, their manager, the guy's name is Dave Martinez. And I'm not, I, I don't know a lot about the Nationals. You know, I grew up as a Yankees fan ever since Reggie Jackson, so I just don't know a lot about them. But the, the, Dave Martinez is a manager of the team, and he wore this shirt that said, finish the fight. Anybody see that? And I saw that, and I was like, what's that about? Finish the fight. So I did a little research on the Washington Nationals because I'm preaching about a fight this weekend. And, and here's what I learned. In the month of May, about three months into the season, the Nationals were a below 500 team with only 19 wins in the month of May. Some of you baseball fans, you'll love this. The team finished the month with the second worst record in the major leagues at 19 and 31. 19 wins, 31 losses. Check this out. According to MLB stats, the Nationals had less than a 0.1% chance to win the World Series on May 28. 0.1% chance to win the World Series in the month of May. You know what that tells me? That tells me our Thorn Creek softball team has a chance. That's what that tells me. <laughs> that tells me our Broncos have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. <clears throat> but I looked at that in all seriousness, and I thought, you know what? How many of us are in a situation where we feel like, you know what? There's no way God can fix this marriage. There's no way God can, my financials or my finances, my job situation, 
oh, this problem I have, this battle that I have with this demon that I don't talk to anyone about, this hold that's on a hold of my life right now that I just conceal and I don't, you know, my situation is so messy. And you feel like you've got a 0.1% chance. I'll never be that man. I'll never experience freedom. And you think you're living in the 0.1% chance. I want you to know you have a God where nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for God. You might be in a situation where you feel like it's so dark. There's no way. I'm so depressed. I struggle with this thing. And I'm so tired. But I've given up. And I want you to know God hasn't given up on you. God hasn't given up on you. You have a big God. And he loves you and he cares about you and he wants all of you and you can trust him because you plus God is enough. You plus God is enough. He's big enough to do that. Nothing's impossible for God. Paul's aware that it's a fight. Just look at Ephesians chapter 6. He says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, Paul knows who's pulling the strings. Then he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, not just a little bit. You don't just need the helmet. You don't just need the sword. You don't just need the shield. You don't need, just need the breastplate. You need the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Hear this, you are in a fight. And if you're going to walk with God for life, then it's going to be a fight. The devil wants your marriage. He wants your home. He wants your mind. He wants your thoughts. He wants your family. He wants your kids. He wants your soul. And there are going to be times when you're going to have to fight temptations and fight your flesh and fight a desire to quit and fight for your walk with God and fight your doubts and fight for the hope you have in God and fight to believe and fight everybody else and put your faith and trust in God, but you are in a battle and you need to understand that scripture teaches us also that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can trust and put your faith in God because God is with you and he's not going to let you down. You can trust him. The enemy just wants to take you out, but I want you to know God is with you. Somebody just needs to hear that. God is with you. Don't settle. And if you're going to walk with God for life, you need to know it's going to be a good fight. You got to hear that. If you're not in the fight, then something's wrong. If you don't feel there's a fight in your life right now, then there's something wrong. Hebrews says it like this. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. You know what that tells us right there? There's going to be times when you're just going to be worn out. There's going to be times when your hands are going to be hanging and, 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 and your knees, and there's going to be time when you just feel weak. In verse 13, he says, and make straight paths for your feet. So strengthen your hands and strengthen your knees and make straight paths. You know what that means? That means make God-honoring decisions. Make God-honoring decisions. And do that. 
And then there's these two words there. Can you read those two words? So, one more time. So why is it important to strengthen your hands and your knees and just choose the right path? Because if you don't do that, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Oh, this is a good word, guys. Let me say it again. So that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So the limb limb can either be put out of joint, or it it could be healed. Hear this. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. There are, if there, there's a spiritual condition that could be a minor injury, a spiritually minor injury or spiritually minor condition. And if you don't take care of that spiritually minor issue, that minor issue can become a major issue. That temporary situation that you feel like you've got, you've got control of can become a permanent spiritual condition. You could be out of joint if you don't take care of it. And if you want to let God take care of it, you need to make sure you pay attention to it. Make sure it's in place and God will heal you. This is so good. I don't know if you heard this. This means if there's a character issue you have or a sin issue that you have and you're letting it live in your house, you're letting it live in your heart, you're letting it live in your mind, you're letting it live in your mouth, and you're letting it live like that, and you know it's a problem, but you've convinced yourself it's not a problem, that minor issue can become a major issue, and you, can be, you won't experience a healing, and it'll actually be dislocated. So you pay attention to those small issues when God speaks to you about your temper. God speaks to you about that lust. God speaks to you about that anger. God speaks to you about that bitterness. God speaks to you whatever it is. You pay attention to that because God wants you to be completely healed and whole. That's called holiness. God wants you to experience that. When I, 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 a few, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, I don't know if you, some of you guys remember this, I broke my hand. I was playing softball for Thorn Creek, and I was playing left field, and I thought I was Derek Jeter, and I dove for a ball, and, and I, Closter was there, I think you were there, and I, I, I flew over my hand, and I never broke a bone in my body, never. So this is like the first time I've experienced it. Some of you broke a lot of bones, I never have. So I was like, wow, it really hurt. So I, I, I had it, I didn't know if it was broken, but I remember the ball it got hit the next time it like hit my glove and it just fell down you know I wasn't able to squeeze my glove at all because I didn't you know it broke like like right here so um for because I didn't know any better so for like the next week and a half maybe even two weeks I felt it was loose right here my bone because I felt it loose so I was pushing it into place and I just felt it and I thought well I just got to push it into place and Grace would say Ruben stop messing with your hand you're freaking me out and I was like it's it's so I almost got it baby hold on you know I'm just stupid. I was doing that. And finally, she said, Ruben, you got to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor uh, two weeks later. And what do you think the nurse did? She just got after me. And Grace was sitting right there. And the nurse is saying, you should have come in right away. And, of course, Grace is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, all right. And you know what they had to do was they had to immobilize it because um, it wasn't healing properly. I needed to give it attention. 
And sometimes if there's things in our life, the small things, the, the, the things that we might see as insignificant or temporary or minor, if you don't immobilize it and take care of it, it can become a spiritual major, even permanent condition and change it. Are you picking up what I'm laying down here? You hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> and Paul goes on to say this. Number two, he says, if you want to walk with God for life, it's going to be a race. You are in a race. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're in a race. This is not something that ends in a week or a month or it ends or whatever. You're in a race. You're in a race. Well, you know what happens in a race? You experience all kinds of stuff in that race. Remember Paul said, I have finished the race. When I was in track in high school, I ran the 880, which is two laps, which is a horrible, horrible run. Because it's just an all-out sprint. It's the worst, I think, in my opinion. Because there's no pace. It's just you just run all out for two laps. Anyway, but they would always tell me, you got to run through the tape. You got to run. Don't stop five feet before the tape or ten feet. You got to run through the tape. You are in a race. And there's a lot of things you're going to experience on this race. You hear me? A lot of things. Last week, um, you know, we were we were gifted a, a blessing and, and a very discounted trip. And Grace and I went to Hawaii last week, and we were in Kauai. So, um, yeah, you're wondering, how did I get this tan? I look a little particularly golden today. Well, that's what it was, my golden tan. So, anyway, so uh, uh, normally when we go, a lot of times I speak at different places. So, that's kind of our, a lot of times our vacation. So, this is very unusual that I went and I didn't have a speaking engagement, which I don't mind. It's a real honor to speak for the Lord. Um, but also, we, we went uh, alone. We haven't gone without kids in a long time. So, it was really just, just her and I. So, we went on this trail. Um, Beth and, and Brian Hunter, who attend Thorn Creek, they told us, you got to go on this trail called the Kalalua Trail. And it's on the north side of Kauai. And it's basically, it's a, like a Stairmaster in a steam room. That's the whole trail. It's a Stairmaster in a steam room. I'm not kidding. So it, it's slimy. I mean, it's, I say slimy. It's like muddy and wet in parts. And it's beautiful along the coast there. But it's a total of 11 miles, this hike. It's really one of the most difficult in the world. I didn't know that. We only went for a total of four miles. And, and we, we hiked all the way up this thing. And, and I'm, I mean, it's literally, you know, just doing this all the way up. And we hiked to this beach. And, and we ate our peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sandwiches and I had beef jerky and and, and wood water and, and anyway so we, we just hung out at the beach and and anyway so when we were time to come back I we had, it took us like two hours just to get to the beach and when it was time to come back um, there's the stairmaster again so I, I I take about ten steps and we're going up and then all of a sudden right here between my legs my inner thighs it just knotted up like crazy like just bam just like that and I literally was like oh. Oh, and she's like, Grace is like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? She's not used to seeing me in that situation, you know, that physical situation. And I was like, my legs, oh. So I'm rubbing my elbows on the inside of my thighs like this, just rubbing both of them, just trying to work it out. And it's, anybody ever experienced that? It's like, Cluster, I know you have. Don't say no. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm just rubbing them like that because it's like, it's killing me. And then I'm like, and all I kept thinking was, I got an hour and a half to go. Seriously, that's what I'm thinking. And there was like one place, a little landing for a helicopter. But I thought, you know, 
how embarrassing would that be? I don't want that to happen. I got to suck it up and go through this thing. So I, and the grace is, you know, she says, you know, Ruben, you really need more water. And, you know, she's told me that, which is probably true. And she says, and, and, and she says, you really need potassium. That's what you need. You need potassium. And there's this, this woman and a man right behind her. And here's Grace. And this woman says, well, I've got a banana in my backpack. I'll give that to you. So she gives me the banana. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much, you know. And I just feel like I'm the case. You know, I'm the project. You know, you know everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm literally moving like this. So after my banana, I'm like this. I'm, and I stop. And Grace is, you know, just like, you know, <laughs> Grace is just walking around. She's all in shape and I'm not. And, and then I'm like, God, I just, if I only had like a walking stick, that would help because every step, I mean, I just felt the pain. And sure enough, like 15 minutes after that prayer, there was a walking stick in the middle of the road that someone left in the middle of the trail, which is really unusual. They just left it. And I picked it up and I was walking like an old man, but it felt so good. And then the Lord gave me a word. I'm sharing you my devotional life right here. He said, you need legs for the race. You need legs for the race, Ruben. Maybe you need to hear that too. You need legs for the purpose God has for you. You need legs for the purpose God has for you. You need legs for the purpose God has for you. Faithful legs. Obedient legs. Legs of endurance. You need legs for the purpose God has for you. Mm. You're welcome. That's a good word. <laughs> and you know what that you know what God told me? God told me, Reuben, you've got a race ahead of you that you don't even know yet. There's things that you're going to be facing that you don't even know yet. You need legs for the race ahead of you. Just trust me. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, Reuben, I want you to throw yourself more into me because you need legs for the race. I want you to take it to another level, Reuben, because you need legs for the race. I just believe in my heart that there's someone here who needs legs for the race. You know what I'm saying? Do you need legs for the race? Legs of stamina. See, you're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to quit on church. You're going to be tempted to quit on yourself because you've let yourself down so much. Just because someone hurts you doesn't mean you give up. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to live to the life of faith, let us strip off every, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I think about that word witnesses. If you call yourself a Christian, you just need to know there's eyes on you. If you tell someone, I go to church every weekend, you just need to know there's eyes on you. It starts in your own home. You've got people in your own home that are watching you, watching your faith. It's at school. Your friends are watching you. It's at work. 
They're watching you. And they're looking to see if there's anything different inside of you. Do you treat others different? Even in this church, it's so cool that we're raising up future warriors for Christ. I think of Craig Hash. Craig Hash is like 11 years old, and he's part of the guest relations team. David Thornton, he's another young man. He's probably around 12. I don't know where mom and dad are at. But he's another young man who's part of just serving here. All of our teens, Tyler and Sarah and Blaine, Avery, Hannah, so many other people, so many other young warriors that we're raising and we're teaching them how to walk with God. You have eyes on you, church. Last thing Paul said, if you want to walk with God for life, it's going to require faith. It's going to require faith. Now, what did he say before? <clears throat> you got to fight the, fight the good fight, right? And you got to what? Finish the, and now he says he's kept the faith. It's going to take faith. There will be times when God doesn't answer your prayers. What are you going to do? There's going to be time when things happen in your life that don't make any God sense. What are you going to do? There's going to be times when you feel like you have been the target. What are you going to do? There's going to be times when a Christian or a church lets you down. What are you going to do? You're going to need faith. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. I have this vision of holding on to the promise of God, holding on to my God, holding on to his word, holding on to the future that this good book tells me I have in heaven, holding on to my faith when everything else is saying, let it go. You're in a good fight. You've got to finish the race and you've got to keep the faith. Ken Guthrie, you, you probably don't know Ken Guthrie. This is a guy who uh, does not come to Thorn Creek Church. He, he goes to a church in Westminster and he helps out with our Food for Hope program every single week. We gather together every Monday at five o'clock to pack bags for kids in 15 schools. You're invited to show up every Monday at 5 o'clock. So Ken is here. And Ken oversees Rocky Mountain Elementary School. Rocky Mountain Elementary School has a bunch of kids that require lunch assistance, and a lot of them live in mobile mobile homes, and, and he oversees the whole team for Rocky Mountain Elementary School. So I know a little bit about him. I, I know his son and his daughter-in-law. And I know some of the battles that he's faced. 75 years old, I said, Ken, would you do me a favor and just shoot me an email and share your testimony with us? This is what he said. Greetings. My name is Ken Guthrie. I'm 75 years old and have been a Christian for 50 years. 5-0. 50 years. Believe it or not, I was saved at a David Wilkerson youth rally in 1969 at the age of 25 in Bellingham, Washington. My wife and I have attended the Crossing Church of the Nazarene for 22 years. Can you see yourself saying, I've been attending Thorn Creek Church for 22 years? <laughs> God bless you. You may ask, 
Has the road been a bed of roses? To which I would say, for the most part, yes. But there have been some bumps in the road. Look what he calls the bumps in the road. Ten years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, for which I underwent surgery. By the grace of God, I was healed and did not have to have any other treatment. In April of this year, 2019, I was diagnosed with pleural mesotheloma, which is a cancer of the lining surrounding the lungs. It is a cancer caused by exposure to asbestos, which I was exposed to in the 70s and 80s at my work. At the time, it was not known that asbestos was a hazard to your health. This cancer attacks you in your senior years. As a result, I was started on chemotherapy every three weeks for the rest of my days on this earth. Needless to say, this was a shock to me and my family. In my 50 years as a Christian, I've been very involved with the church and serving the Lord, and this has affected what I'm able to do physically. I would be, it would be easy to say, why me, Lord? And just blame God and go the other way. Instead, I've chosen to lean on God to get me and my family through this time of my life. In Joshua chapter 1, it says, God has never promised to never leave us or forsake us at any time. So I hang on to that verse during this time in my life. Do you hear his faith? One of the old hymns says, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I would hate to go through this without the promises that God has for us. With Jesus in our heart, we are promised streets paved with gold when our journey on earth is done. This makes our trials on earth easier to handle. My good. For the last three years, I've been involved with Food for Hope, which, as you know, was started by Thorn Creek Church. It has been a joy working with the people involved in this ministry. It is a ministry I truly believe in, and the people I get to work with are very supportive. I'm not able to do as much as before, but I've received nothing but support and protection from those I minister with. The Christian encouragement I receive from Food for Hope and my home church is another thing that helps me to move forward. We are not promised a smooth road at all times. But another song, I've read the back of the book and we win, is very uplifting to me. Blessings to Thorn Creek Church. That's what he does. Yeah, put your hands together. God is good. Glory to God. <laughs> what I like about Ken's life is he's, 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 coming, he's coming close to, uh, <clears throat> to the end. And he knows it. And he can walk away from his faith. He can say, God has been unfair. Why is this happening to me? And he can do all those kinds of things. But what he's doing instead is he's holding on to his faith. And he's saying, you know, I know in this world there's going to be trouble. But I know my Jesus is with me. And he's going to see me through it. And I'm looking forward to those streets paved with isn't that beautiful? Those streets paved with gold. Are you? <clears throat> Paul says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. You know what that day is, judgment day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, God, for your presence. I've sensed your spirit here, Lord. And if you need to turn your life over to Jesus, that's your first step. Would you just say this prayer right where you're seated? Just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of them. I turn away from that life, God. And I want to start living for you, Jesus. As best as I know how, I want to become a Christian this morning. I want to walk with you. Or maybe you need to say, God, help me to fight the good fight. I'm in the cage right now, God. I need you, Lord. I don't want to be alone in the cage. I need you with me. Help me to fight the good fight. I just resist the devil right now in the name of Jesus. You have no business in my life. Maybe you need to say, God, I need to finish the race. Help me, Lord. Give me the legs that I need to fulfill your purpose for my life. Or maybe you need to say, God, help me to keep the faith. There's some things that have happened that have just kind of rattled me. But I'm going to choose to have faith in you. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We worship you, Jesus, with all of our hearts. It's in your name, Jesus, the King of all kings, that we pray. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.